To start off this story, I just want to say that it happened a while ago, so please bear with me. My name is Leo. I'm currently about 14 years old at the time of writing this, but this happened to my parents about three years ago. It was the month of May, and one night my parents and I had just finished unpacking our luggage. It was our summer vacation, and we decided to spend it in my mom's hometown in Mexico. Now, this area in Mexico has a lot of bad rep for countless cartels, drug deals, and also famous Mexican drug lords, but that's not the point. The point is that the crime rate isn't as high as it used to be, but when things did happen, it usually didn't end good, like blood splatter or multiple knife wounds good. But hey, even from a bad rep, it was still a pretty beautiful place with many attractions. We came from pretty far away, so we were too tired to check out the plaza, or even the little stand shops at the time, but that's not too relevant. Let's cut forward about a week later, and my uncle and aunt from my dad's side of the family had called him to arrange a visit, since we were close to them. Now, remember when I said that we live far away? Yeah, I wasn't kidding about that. We live all the way in California, and we traveled by car, which is about two days out on the road. Of course, my dad took some breaks so the drive wasn't as heavy, but nevertheless, it was still one hell of a ride. Because of this reason though, many of the familiars on my dad's side of the family can't even visit us. Either they don't have the time or it's just way too far away. Now, as you can guess, my dad of course said yes to the opportunity, mainly because of the reasons I just mentioned. This kinda bothered me though because it was my least favorite uncle and aunt. Like, I mean literally, least favorite. The ones that constantly boss you around to bring them this or that, and always force you to do favors that you don't want to do. As you can imagine, though, it was absolutely hell during those two weeks that they stayed with us. But when the day came for them to leave, they had accidentally missed the bus to go back to their city. So, my dad, being the really kind person that he is, offered to give them a ride back to their city. The city was about five hours away from where we were staying, so I didn't go with them. However, my mom did, which led me to stay with my grandma. It was a pretty chill and smooth ride, exclaimed my dad. He was pretty pumped up that night from the two energy drinks that he had before the drive, so nothing really bothered him. That is, until about four hours into the drive, almost arriving into the city. My mom had started to notice about three men that was right up ahead by a glimmer of light right in the middle of the road. Thinking they were army men checking for unusual activity like they typically do in the booths, she had told my dad to start to slow down. As they began to slow down, both my parents had then started to notice that they didn't even have any army suits or anything representing a government official, not even a badge. Upon seeing this, my dad had sped up assuming it was just a couple of drunk guys hanging out from one of the two houses on the side. Well, that assumption was soon erased when those same three men then chased after them. That's when shit got real. My dad now noticing this absolutely floored it. He cranked up the manual transmission all the way up, all the while my mom, aunt, and uncle were totally shitting bricks when they then noticed an object fly in the air. That same object was a metal ball. It hit the front windshield of the car, almost shattering it upon impact. Now, the car that my dad was driving wasn't really the strongest. It was a 2009 Volkswagen Jetta with a defective windshield. My dad actually had to get that windshield fixed like multiple times, even including one where a stick hit it. Can you believe that? A freaking stick. Anyways, my mom noticing the metal ball then totally flipped shit and started panicking. 
My dad got into a state of shock and before he knew it, he was then hitting the road around 160 miles per hour. Because of this, one of the tires ended up popping on a ditch that they also miraculously passed through while heading towards the exit to go to the city. My dad didn't slow down until he finally reached it, and even so, after they got to my aunt's and uncle's home, all my dad could muster was, What the hell just happened? My aunt, then noticing his shocked expression, offered to let my dad and my mom stay the night since it was obviously the best choice at the time. They both agreed, and first thing in the morning, my dad then got the windshield and the tire immediately fixed. So, I guess that was that. Apart from the nightmares my parents had, nothing else has happened since then. Everything resumed back to normal, but if there's one piece of advice I could ever give you, it's to never, and I mean ever, go to Mexico cities during the night. It's way less risky that way and much less common for you to get jumped or robbed. Just don't do it. So this happened back in 2008. My girlfriend and I were taking a vacation to Ocean City, Maryland. We live in North Central Pennsylvania, so it's at least a six hour drive based on our directions, which were printed from MapQuest. I didn't have a GPS at the time. We were making good time when we were approaching Route 1, which seemed to come up sooner on the directions. My girlfriend told me that it wasn't the right route and it would be up ahead. Instead, I was really stubborn and then took the exit to get on Route 1. That was a really big mistake and I wish that I had listened to her from the beginning. We ended up in Baltimore in a rundown section of the city. There was a man riding a bike real fast who almost hit us that for some odd reason seemed to be shouting at us. Then we went through a street where a really small child was playing with a fire hydrant. I started to slow down as soon as I saw him and then he stopped playing with the hydrant and motioned for me to go. Just as I did, that's when he began playing with it yet again. Water had then shot all over the front of my car. It felt like I was getting a car wash but without my consent. There were others nearby when this occurred but no one seemed to even think anything of what this little boy just did to a passerby. As soon as I was done using my wipers, I continued on, knowing that it's probably better not to say anything which might just lead to trouble. Now, I was starting to get really nervous because I didn't know where we were going and how to get to the beach from here. I was at a red light and there was this disheveled old woman who came up to my window asking if she could have a sandwich. My girlfriend was becoming hysterical by this point. I decided to ignore the woman who was obviously homeless and once the light turned green, we continued on. Getting really frustrated, I decided to call home hoping to reach one of my parents for help. Maybe they could help navigate me to the right direction from here. My brother answered and sensed that I was worried. He tried to help us, but unfortunately, we were still pretty lost. We went through a toll booth toward I-95 and asked the employee operators for directions. They said them so fast though that I wasn't able to get everything down. This was just totally not turning out to be our day. Somehow I managed to backtrack and we ended up going through that awful part of the city again and back to our correct route. We finally managed to get to Ocean City without any further incident by nightfall. We lost about two hours of drive time, but thankfully we were safe and we enjoyed the rest of our vacation time. The drive home went much smoother. This had to have been one of the worst experiences I've ever had while going on vacation. I definitely learned to follow the directions as indicated whenever I go anywhere.
and to not ever take any shortcuts unless I absolutely know where I'm going. And I really advise you to do the same. My uncle once told me the story about him and his wife when they were on their honeymoon about two decades ago. He said that they had rented a hotel for the night, and once they were about to sleep, they had started to smell a really weird odor, and the bed felt really squishy. My uncle, who I'll now refer to as Eric, called the person in charge of the lobby and requested someone to clean their room early in the morning. Eric was having trouble falling asleep while his wife, who I'll now refer to as Jessica, was already sleeping. Eric decided to take a shower. He grabbed a blanket and decided to sleep on the floor. The very next morning, Eric and Jessica went into the lobby and requested for a manager. Once when the person in charge in the lobby finally called their manager, Eric told them that the room smelled really weird and he would really like a new one. The manager told Eric that all of the rooms were currently occupied, but that he would send a janitor to clean out the room. Eric agreed with this, and him and Jessica then headed out to go spend the day together. Once it was getting a little late, they had gotten to their room. Jessica had told Eric that she was going to take a shower, so Eric said okay, and while he was on the phone with someone, there was that same nasty odor yet again. Being really frustrated, he wanted to find out exactly where that odor was coming from, so he decided to check the cabinets and everything else. That's when he then got near the bed and noticed that the odor was really strong now. He removed the first mattress and then to his horror, he started to scream. That's when he then saw that there had been a dead body underneath the mattress that entire time. He said that the guy looked around his late 30s. Eric grabbed the phone from the room and locked himself in the bathroom where his wife was taking a shower. That's when Jessica asked him if everything was okay and why he was screaming. Right at that moment, my uncle Eric then passed out. Jessica had to get out of the shower and call 911. Eric had to go to the hospital, but he ended up being okay. The police were already at the hotel questioning the staff on what happened, but they never found the murderer. To this day, it still really makes them sick to their stomach thinking of how they slept on a dead body. That's pretty much the end of it. Eric and Jessica eventually just went to their home and decided to call it a night. They never heard back from the police, and to this day, they still have no idea who was responsible for the body. While vacationing in Hawaii, I witnessed what seemed to be a terrifying crime in progress. My husband and I went to Oahu for a six-day trip in November of 2019. For the most part, we had a pretty marvelous time, enjoying the humid weather, swimming in clear waters, taking challenging hikes, and really enjoying the sights of paradise. Of course, I thought the trip would almost be ruined because I then came down with a pretty bad 24-hour flu on our second day there and it was during this uncommon sickness that I had saw the terrifying sight. It was mid-afternoon. We were actually in Honolulu having finished a trip to the Diamond Head Crater Park. By the time we had left, I was really feeling awful. Achy, feverish, and just a general uneasiness. We decided to stop at one of the 7-Eleven gas stations in Honolulu so that my husband could get us drinks and, for me, medication. The gas station sat next to a one-way street, and our Jeep rental was parallel to the street some 100 feet away. I sat in the Jeep, my head against the window, just wishing that this stupid flu would just go away so that I could enjoy my vacation. 
Because it was really hot and humid, the windows were down, so I could hear all of the noises of the traffic and any passerbys. As I had started to wallow in the misery of my sickness, I had then heard some yelling from right outside to my left. I had then looked up, scanning the area around me to see where the noise was coming from, and when I looked over to the street, I then saw something that would absolutely shock me. There was a dark gray sedan sat at the red stoplight. A woman tried desperately to jump out of the car's passenger side. The door wide open and her feet flailing in the midair as she tried to untangle herself from the seatbelt. A man wearing a really dark shirt and a goatee then yelled as he reached over her and then pulled her towards him in the car. I saw her scream as she tried to fight him and push him away, one of her flip-flop shoes then falling off in the process. He still pulled her back in even as he yelled something back at her. You need to understand that this incident and what I did next then occurred in a matter of about 15 or 20 seconds, but it seemed like time slowed down. Upon seeing this unfold right before me, I had then concluded with horror that this woman was being kidnapped. In that split second, something inside of me just came alive and I jumped out of the jeep, determined to grab her and help her get out. Just anything I could do to help her. I sprinted across the gas station lot and into the street toward the sedan at top speed, then gaining around. But at this point, the man had yanked her fully into the car before shutting the passenger door really quickly and pulling away. The light had turned green and now the sedan had then sped off, then leaving me behind even as I ran after it. It quickly turned around the corner a block away and I was no match for its speed, but I was able to get the first three letters of the license plate. Unable to keep up with the car, I slowed to a stop and now jumped on the sidewalk to see if anyone else had noticed. A couple about 10 feet to my right had seen the whole thing go down, and they stared after the vehicle totally puzzled. No longer did I feel lethargic with illness, but now adrenaline pumping through me, then intermixed with fear and panic for this woman. What if she had been snatched off the street? What if this was the last time anyone ever saw her alive? I had then looked around to see if anyone had begun to call the police or if there were any conversations about what had happened. I asked the couple near me if they had called the cops. They hadn't. So I ran back to the Jeep, grabbed my phone, and called 911. I'm sure that I sounded panicked and distraught as I relayed what I saw to the dispatcher, who had then calmly mentioned that they had already received a call about that same sedan and that someone was on their way right before hanging up on me. A few minutes later, my husband returned to the jeep, and that's when I told him everything that happened. There was another woman, a patron who had been at the same gas station that came up to our jeep, and then showed me that she had actually recorded that whole incident on her phone. We ended up calling the police yet again. A female police officer then showed up about 10 minutes later. The other young woman explained about the video, and I told her in detail what I had witnessed. I even gave her the license plate number and told her where the car had turned. The female officer remained unusually calm and almost nonchalant about it, as she told me that the police had already received multiple calls about the sedan and the couple arguing inside of it. She went on to say that the couple was just beefing, that basically they were just arguing and causing a scene while driving around Honolulu. I stood there just absolutely shocked at what I heard. That terrifying scene of a woman desperately trying to escape? You're telling me that was just a mere domestic dispute? And the female officer, just like the dispatcher, then spoke about this as if it was no big deal. Part of me wondered if the laid-back attitude expected of Hawaii citizens had seeped into law enforcement. 
Part of me wondered if I had reacted dramatically, and part of me still wonders about this woman's safety. Domestic disputes have often become really violent, and people have died because of it. I couldn't help but wonder if more should have been done about it. Or maybe that was just it. That they were doing all that they could do, and just needed to disassociate themselves from any kind of emotion so that they could do their job. Anyways, the police eventually left after that, and my husband and I continued on our way. I did get over my flu, and we really enjoyed the rest of the trip. Months later, I still sometimes think about the incident. Even though it was, as the cops said, just a simple dramatic domestic dispute. It was still absolutely frightening to see a woman trying to escape and then being pulled into a car like that. That's the kind of thing you see in nightmares, and I can only imagine the terror of being unable to escape from something that's terrorizing you. Maybe they really were just having couples beef. However, if it was more than that, I really do hope she managed to get away and is somewhere safe now, and that she hasn't become another tragic domestic violence statistic. I just really hope that's not the case. Back during the summer of 2017, a group of around a dozen peers pitched in for a house to get away and celebrate a birthday. A basic residential area around a semi-rural lake near Shelton, Washington. The house had a separate garage with a few beds where myself and a few others were sleeping that night. The house set above a lake with a deck as well as a little pier down in the water. After a pretty long day of cooking, drinking, and playing some games, it was then time to crash around 2am. With more people than there were beds, some were on couches and even on the floor in the living room. Folks had been drinking fairly heavily and they were out cold. Right around 3.30am, I woke up with a need to go and use the bathroom. As I'm putting on my pants, I noticed out the window the long diffuse shadow of a person moving in some light right on the street outside. I didn't really think too much of it at the time. Probably just somebody walking their dog, I thought. I made the walk across the driveway with the key in hand and noticed that the door is totally unlocked. I go in to find a friend checking their phone in that really drunken daze after only a short amount of sleep. Really confused, he then asked, um, weren't you just in here? I tell them no and they ask if anyone else from the garage was out of bed. I say no yet again and my buddy shook it off, albeit super confused. Confused as well and kind of amused, I did my business and returned back to bed, locking the door right behind me. During the next morning, all of us were awake and in the main space cooking some breakfast and enjoying the sunshine. Two of my other friends who were a couple asked if there was any open windows in the house last night, as one of them was convinced that a draft opened their door from a cracked position. Their bedroom was at the back of the house past at least five other people sleeping in the living room and two other bedrooms. There was one open window, but no others in the house, so I'm not really sure about a draft. So, remember the guy I had spoken to during my bathroom trip? Well, he piped in to ask if they know what time this happened. They said right around 3.30 right when he thought he saw me walk through the house and when I saw the shadow moving down the street. We all totally got chills when all of these details came to bear. It was right then that somebody had brought up a Twitter or Facebook post about how somebody had reportedly been breaking into homes in the area and literally doing it for like months. We never ended up reporting anything as we weren't really sure that this is what happened. 
Turns out, though, that the guy was a pervert and just liked to watch women sleep. Now, all of these events could totally just be a coincidence, but looking back these years later, I'm pretty convinced that our rental was victimized by this creep. Nobody in our group was armed, and I'm not even sure if there was even a security system. Also, I'm pretty fairly confident that I'm not the one who left the door unlocked. So, yeah, pretty damn creepy. Creepy. 